0: I just had fun already this morning. We we worship. My family's here. We, God healed people and does cool stuff. I'm like, I'm ready to go right now. But I'm going to preach. Thank you, Robert. Robert says, I want to hear some preaching before we leave. Uh, all right, I can do that. He twisted my arm. Uh, Thank you, Jesus, for the preaching of your word, Lord. We we thank you for what your word does in it and the faith that it builds and stirs in us. And we ask that you would do that this morning, even as even as we hear maybe verses we've heard before, Lord God, let them be fresh in our hearing this morning. Uh, let them satisfy and nourish us and cause us to grow in you. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, this this week I was thinking about some different things to talk about and uh, I, I was reminded of a conversation I had last month at a pastor's meeting. And uh, I don't even remember what we were talking about or how it came up. But a pastor made this statement to me. He says, I thought I was an optimist until I met you. Awesome. <laughs> and I thought, man, that's am, am I really like that? <laughs> and and then I thought, well, I want to be like that. Because we ought to be people of optimism and people of hope. And so I, I started thinking about The difficulty that some people have in being optimists in the world, and especially in the church of Jesus Christ. The difficulty people have coming to grips with having hope and being optimistic about what's going to happen. I think we tend to end up getting a very narrow view of the future, and we base uh, our optimism or pessimism upon our own circumstances. The aches and pains I have in my body. The, the relationships that are broken, the bills that are stacking up on the, on the kitchen table or the desk. We, we look at those things and we kind of let that crowd out, uh, everything else that's going on around us, and we let it drive whether or not we're hopeful about what's going to happen in the future. And, and I think God wants to break us out of that. He wants to remind us, you know, we all have issues and problems we deal with, right? And, and when we're in the midst of them, we start to think nobody else in the history of mankind could have ever possibly had the difficulties I'm having right now. Has anybody ever felt like that? At least a couple people have said that to me over the years. Well, God says, let's, let's back up for a second. Let's see the bigger picture. Let's start to get some hope and some kingdom mentality into this to bring some optimism to bear. When, when I make the statement, things are getting better, what goes through your mind? Because I find that, that most Christians are generally optimistic about how things will work out in the very end. They, they think, okay, Jesus will, will take care of one day everything. But when I say things are getting better now, what goes through your mind? Some people are like, yeah, I could see that. Some people are like, nah, you, you missed it, Pastor Chris. This isn't, this isn't true. It's good. I think it's true. And hopefully I'm going to back it up this morning. But, you know, call me crazy, but the whole thing that Jesus did on the cross, I think that really was enough. That he really did win the victory and release the power of his kingdom into the earth today and start something that will continue to grow and to progress. I don't, I don't, I don't just believe we win. I think we win now. Jesus gave us the capacity. He gave us the authority to walk in victory and to overcome right now. Uh, so that's this morning I wanted to talk about being an optimist. And over the next few weeks, uh, I want to talk about what God's Word actually says about the future. Uh, what the cross really did win for us. What it established. What power, if any, that the devil has. You know, what, what really did happen to the devil that we can see and know from Scripture. And uh, I think he gets devil gets a little bit too much blame and too much credit for things that he doesn't really have the power to cause. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll also talk about what role we as the church have in causing things to get better and seeing the kingdom grow and, and releasing hope and optimism in the world. So to start this morning, I just wanted to paint a little picture. Uh, if I make the statement, things are getting better, and, and a lot of you, you know what you're seeing in the news, you know what's in your own circumstances. When I say things are getting better, the first thing that pops in your head may be, Wow, things must have been really bad before. If you're saying they're getting better now, uh, well, I want to give you some history this morning. Is that all right? Yeah. Uh, I've heard people, uh, I've heard people say, "Oh, wouldn't it have been nice to be alive when Jesus was alive, to to walk with the disciples and to right. see him." Right. Uh, the answer is no. no. Okay, let's let's just be very clear. As much as I love Jesus, yeah. not a good time to be alive. And so, I want to tell you a little bit about that this morning um i don 't come on i don 't ever want to get to heaven and have God say Oh you just you preached me too big you, you gave people too much hope you know my, my whole my my power to deliver and save and 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 you just over exaggerated that Come on, yeah. can you imagine yeah. hearing that from God? Right. We can't do it. We've yeah. got to be bringers of hope. We right. should be the people that release yeah. a, a hope for a future right. into the world. We should give optimism to people. They should look and see what God is doing in our lives and His power. Right. I don't, right. If you think the glass is half full or half empty, I, right. I don't care. <laughs> we, we ought to be filling it up yeah. because we have a river of living water that comes out of us. There, we should be bringing change to yeah. the world uh, for the better. And if we don't offer people hope and good news, who will? That's right. we, we, sh- we are called to be the bearers of good news, the gospel. So what was happening when Jesus was, was born? Uh, if you think about it, Isaiah 9-2 gives the best picture. It says uh, it's a prophetic uh, message about the coming Messiah. Jesus was about to be born. And Isaiah 9-2 says, The people walking in darkness. Have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. So the prophet Isaiah actually talks about the time when Jesus was about to be born, and he says it's a time of people walking in darkness, thick darkness. The scripture says it's of people living in the land of the shadow of death. Death had a grip on the world at that time. Uh, when Jesus came into the world, uh, the Roman Empire dominated the scene. They, they dominated civilization around the Middle East and Europe and Northern Africa. As much as they were known for civilized advancement, they were also known for brutality. Uh, the Roman Empire was not... Uh, all it was cracked up to be uh, we live in a much better country than they did right now uh, gladiator was not just a movie with russell crowe they, they really did that stuff where they would have people fight to the death and people would cheer them on and be all excited about uh, seeing people slaughtered in front of them uh, in italy at that time approximately 40 percent of the population were slaves so when, when Paul was writing his messages, he wasn't condoning slavery. He just knew his audience. He, he, he looked at it and said about half the people I'm writing this letter to are in slavery right now. So I need to address some of their issues and their concerns. That's, that would be like walking down the street today and, and almost one of every other person that you saw was enslaved to someone else. Not a very good time. Uh, throughout the empire of Rome... Uh, homosexuality was commonplace, especially among master and slave uh, Some people that didn't even have a choice in the matter had to be subjected to that uh, If you were alive at that time, the average life expectancy was about 28 uh, Because the infant mortality rate was so high uh, If you made it past your 15th birthday, you, you had an outside chance to see 50 But that, that was the, the life expectancy at that time Uh, About 25% of children did not survive their first year, and almost half of them didn't make it past 10 years old. So this is kind of the atmosphere that was happening at the time. Uh, Women were not taught to read and write, and they could not be active in politics. Uh, Think about this one. A directive like somebody saying, go kill every male child under 2 years old, could actually be carried out. That is how sick the society... That is a land living in the shadow of death of people walking in great darkness. Uh, The Romans and Greeks worshipped a bunch of gods. There were were at least 250 gods that were recorded that they worshipped. And as they conquered other people, they kind of just absorbed the gods into their whole worship scene you know Prabhu talks about uh, the hindu friend that we're praying for uh, they are famous for that they've got a bunch of different gods they they'll give you jesus oh jesus could be god you know he's one of them and they'll they'll just kind of roll him in but we believe jesus is the only true god But at that time, uh, that didn't happen in Rome. Uh, People living in Africa, Australia, and Asia worshipped nature. They worshipped demons. Uh, Their dead ancestors, that was who they thought were God. That's who they prayed to. Uh, In North America, no concept of the Messiah. Nobody had been here proclaiming the gospel. Uh, In South America, you look at some of the temples, people worshipped bloodthirsty demons, human sacrifice. It was a bad time to be alive. In the midst of the entire world at that time, only one nation even had a glimpse, a revelation of the one true God, Israel. In the in the midst of this entire world, this tiny little speck of land, the only people that even knew who God was. And even they had slipped into doubt. There was a famine of God's Word at the time. They, they had not seen God be active and lead them for centuries. Not such a great time to be alive. Things were really bad is is an understatement so you're you're listening to that and you're thinking oh well yes pastor i'll give you that surely that that was very bad but you know america founded on godly principles and, and we've really gone downhill since america was founded you know how bad could things be when america came on the scene and i'll give you when when america came on the scene much better time to be alive than rome <laughs> around the time of jesus's birth but still not so hot. Here's here's a snapshot of life in the US 200 years ago. Uh, in the early 1800s, about five million immigrants had come to the US. About 20% of the people in the US at that time were in slavery. So it had come down, it had dropped in half from Rome, but it's still 20% of people. So one in every five people that you're looking at was probably a slave to someone else. Uh, that, how about this one? In the U.S. 200 years ago, the age of sexual consent in most states was 9 or 10. Wow. Hey, I want to marry my 9-year-old cousin. The law said, okay, you can do that if you want. Wow. Does that sound bad to anybody else? Yes. I mean, that that is horrific. Yep. Thankfully, things are getting better. Uh, abortion was legal in all states at that time. Uh, and about 20% of all pregnancies were aborted around 200 years ago in the country. Uh, Michigan actually clocked in the highest with 35% of pregnancies were terminated uh, when the U.S. was started. Uh, alcoholism rate was actually higher than it was today. Uh, more people were alcoholics. Uh, in fact, the mid-'90s, was alcoholism was lower than any point in the past 30 years. So you can go look some of this stuff up. Uh, prostitution was more widespread than it is today Uh, in New York City 200 years ago there was one prostitute for every 64 men it was big business how about this one Savannah Georgia they had one prostitute for every 39 men so you take all the population of men that were in the state at that time one for every 39 men is, is how many women were engaged in prostitution uh, churchgoers in the U.S. Uh, were between 30 and 45 percent, depending on what number you read, which is, is kind of similar today. Uh, but you think about some of the westward expansion. They didn't even have a church till towns got settled out there. It was a wild and crazy place. Uh, Native Americans were being forced off their land and sometimes murdered in the name of the government and laws. It was It was legal to throw the Native Americans off of their land and to kill them. Things that we would never think about happening today. Uh, Thousands of Chinese were being brought in on the West Coast as forced labor, forced to to work and build the railroads. Uh, The gold rush produced some of the most vile and dangerous places you could ever imagine to go live. Uh, Women could not vote. Uh, How about this one? Men were allowed to beat their wives as long as they did not maim or kill them. Not so hot, huh? The, the moral, ethical, and spiritual climate when our nation was founded was not as good as... We, we have this image sometime of, of the founding fathers in, in their prayer meeting with the, the light shining down. them. I and I believe God was... Sure. He ordained the birth of this nation. I believe He was involved in it. But it was not a very nice place to live in many of the areas. The good old days? Not so much. And, and many of you... Know what I'm talking about? When we think about the good old days, usually we've we've edited out the bad parts in our mind. All we remember are the good times. But the good old days were probably not that good for many of us. So you know, we hear those things and we think, all right, things are getting better. And and the next question people usually ask me is, well, what about all the atrocities being committed today? You know, we have shootings in the theater and and babies still being killed. You know what? Sin, decay, perversion. They have been going on all along. Since Adam ate the fruit in the garden and sin and death was released into the world, that stuff has been happening all along. You and I live in a time when we are more connected than ever. Something happens halfway around the world, you can see it right now. You can look at it on your phone and get an update. Oh, this is what's happening at the Olympics. You know what? That was not commonplace back then. People things would happen, even people yeah. getting killed, slaughters of whole villages. people might not even know about sure. that now today it happens in the morning it 's on the news at night it 's on the internet before it 's even done happening yeah. that 's why you know yeah. about that stuff it 's not that yeah. things got worse it 's yeah. just you 're more aware yes. of it now because we are so connected it, it happens like that. we see these things, right. and what hap- what happens with the news? what sells? Sure. Bad news is what sells. That's why I think we should be aware of things that are going on in the world around us. But if the bad news is robbing your joy and your hope and your peace, maybe you need to switch off the news for a little while and open the Bible until you get a change in your perspective. There should be something in us that we can see that. Here's, here's how it works for me. I see that news, and I know it's really bad, but I know I serve a bigger God. I know He's well able to deliver and to save and to bring people out of whatever mess they get in. I believe that 2,000 years ago... The seed for change, the seed for hope, the seed for improvement was released into the world through what Jesus did yeah. on the cross. Yeah. And in that time, yeah. He has been conforming this world back to the way it was before the fall. He told this parable to His disciples in Matthew thirteen thirty-three. It says, He told them, still another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked through all the dough. The kingdom was released into the earth just like putting your yeast into a loaf of bread to bake it and it starts to rise. Once you stick that in there, you can't get it back out. I've seen that friendship bread that people bring to your house and they leave and it, it just grows. You can't like separate it back out and say, well, this part's going to rise and this part's just going to stay flat it gets worked into every aspect and begins to grow. Jesus told His disciples in Matthew 28, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Me. Now don't you think that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, making a statement saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Me, don't you think He would actually do something? With that authority? Don't you think that the all authority in heaven and earth being placed into the hands of the Son of God and His people in His body, His church, would cause some type of change to come about in the world? Things could not stay in the condition they were in if Jesus really had all authority in heaven and earth. The power of darkness had to be broken. The, the shadow of death had to roll back from the land because He has the authority now. Some of you are looking at me kind of funny. <laughs> is that okay? Is it okay to say it that way? I just think the kingdom is bigger than what's happening in the world. How about this? These are, these are not even Christian sources. I'll read you something here. You guys okay with that? I can read something that's not... Okay. Uh, the Economist magazine recently published an article, and they shared some stats looking at how the world is doing in, in three main categories. Uh, the social condition of poor countries how we've been doing in the war on poverty, and uh, the incidence of wars and political violence. And this is the statement they made. They said, The net is that while there are definitely some rotten things going on, overall, the world is a much better place for most of the people than it was a decade ago. And that is non-Christians just looking at, Okay, are people killing themselves? or people living in poverty? How are things happening in the world today? And they said, You know what? In the last decade, we've made huge strides in the war against poverty. We've seen violence go down. I don't think that's a coincidence. That's the kingdom of God working like leaven, like yeast, through the whole loaf of bread. How about this one? There was a book that was published called Abundance. And they said this. They said, if you pull back a little bit from the sea of bad news that's assaulting us, what you actually see is a preponderance of trends moving in a fantastic direction. Over the past century... Child mortality rates have dropped by 90% while the human lifespan has doubled. Poverty has dropped more than in the past 50 years than it did in the previous 500. They go on to say, at a, at a global level, the gap between wealthy and poor nations continues to close, and across the board, we are living longer, wealthier, and healthier lives. He says, certainly there are still millions of people living in dire, back-breaking poverty, but using almost every quality of life measure available, things are moving in the right direction. And those are not Christians. Those are just people right. looking at stats and saying, how is the world doing today? God gives us the ability to produce wealth. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. He is the originator of all goodness, whether people give Him credit or not. Right. That's right. Someday, I firmly believe, somebody's going to come up with a cure from cancer. I don't think that's just, oh, I just thought really hard and noodled it through my head and and wrote it down and then it works. God gives good and perfect gifts. He is working His plan whether people are giving Him credit for it or not. He gave them their mind. He gave them the ability to produce wealth. He gave them the ability to, to understand and to research things. That is part of the kingdom of God that was released into a land that was living under the shadow of death. And how about this one? So, so that's, that's great, Pastor Chris. All right, maybe I'll think about that might be true. What about the church? You know, there's, things are going so bad. The church is sliding downhill. How about this one? In the year 100 A.D., so this is really close to when Jesus walked on the earth and his ministry was happening, uh, there was a total of one believer for every 360 unbelievers. Okay, so you had a big job. i got to win almost 400 people for Jesus. If I want to see the whole world get saved One for 360 In the year 1000 The ratio dropped to one believer Or it increased, however you want to look at One believer for every 220 unbelievers Hey, we're making some progress Something's working here In 1900 It was one Christian For every 27 unbelievers 1980 One Christian For every 11 believers or unbelievers, sorry. The last measure that I found was 1990. One Christian for every seven unbelievers. That says to me, the kingdom of God is at work. People are being saved. People are being uh, delivered from the fate they were in. Today in the world, most most of the stats that you will read will tell you somewhere between 70 and 80,000 people come to know Jesus every day. That is 3,000 people per hour. That ought to stir and incite us to hope. Yeah. That, that ought to give us a per- fresh perspective of, you know yeah. what? Uh, we're winning. We, we have the ability and the power to overcome. And I've said it before. The darkness will stay and take over where Christians don't come shine the light. But every time that we make a choice to be light in a yeah, situation, darkness That's has right. to flee. Right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't just hide in the corner. You know, the light's over there, so I'll stay over here and be really dark. Darkness has to leave whenever we shine the light. Somewhere in the world, people are shining their light to such a degree that 3,000 people an hour are getting saved. Yeah. Uh, they say there's, there's so many people being saved in China that they can't print Bibles fast enough to ship them into the country. That's one of the reasons we support two ministries in China. Because there is a need where people are getting saved and they want to know the Word of God, they want to grow, and we can't even get it to them fast enough. Out of that 74,000, about 28,000 of those new believers, uh, they estimate, are in China every day. So that is just amazing. (laughs) All right. I'm going to stop there today. Sure. Oh, about China? Three thousand young people were saved in their life. And it is just like here, only here we're free to go. Right, exactly. Here they're not free to go, so then they have to get linked into underground so they can grow. Three thousand young people. See? And that is good news. We we ought to be full of good news. We ought to be full of hope. We ought to have a testimony that we can tell people. When they ask you, what's going on in the world today? How do you feel about the future? Are we going to point them to the news and rehearse all the bad things that are going on that we've seen on the news because we have so much access? Are we going to point them to the Word of God and begin to rehearse and to tell them, this is what's really happened. This is what's happening from heaven's perspective. This is what was released into the earth. And this is where the light is shining. People, people don't want to be around bearers of bad news. If, if we're always pessimists and we wonder, why doesn't anybody want to talk to us or hang out? Maybe we need to change our attitude and our outlook on what's happening in life. Jesus won the victory at the cross. Next, next week, I'm, I'm going to take a while to work this and to back up what I've said today, but things are getting better. And next week, we're going to talk about what does Scripture really say about the authority and the power of the kingdom that was released into the world? What does it say about how we can interact with that? We need to be bearers of good news. That is the bottom line. We yeah. we are people of hope. We are not people that are sitting and waiting for the next bad thing to happen That's That's so right. that things. I'm not going to go there this morning. Um, I, I really I'll, I'll finish next um man let's go ahead and stand and i want to pray for you before we go even if you don't believe me i i want you to spend some time asking god this week just pray about it say lord you know if there's something to what pastor chris has been saying and and my attitude has been mostly uh, pessimistic uh, god will you reveal it to me and and show me Um, hmm. (laughs) you know i don't i don't know how to say it to you it's like it's one of those things i just feel so deeply convicted inside that i'm right you ever and i know you guys have felt like that stuff about about stuff like that too and it's like i don't want to argue with people but I think I'm on sure footing in the Word of God and what I see going on in the world around me, the faith that we're called to have, the hope that we're supposed to be sharing with people, the good news that right? You're right. It's just we we should not come to church and hear bad news, is all I'm saying. <laughs> and it, it is not denying the, the problems that you see in life, the things that people are going through, I just think if we back up and look at it, things are getting better. God's kingdom is increasing and growing. And we win, not just in the end. We win now. So, thank You, Lord. Father, we thank You for the victory this morning. We thank You for what You did on the cross. Uh, Lord, we remind ourselves that You took the power. You stripped the devil and every principality, every power of any power that they had. You completely defeated them. You were given the authority, Lord Jesus. You won the victory and you've placed it into our hands. And we thank you for that, Lord. We ask that you would cause us to be those who overcome, cause us to be ones who have that mentality of my God is able. My God can deliver. Let us be ones that, that our report at the end of our time on the earth would be, I've been old and young and in my whole time on this earth, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. Let us be ones that will always give a report of the goodness of God and the deliverance you've brought in our lives. God, I bless your people this morning. Thank I thank you for the time we've had in your presence, the time we get to to be together as family with you, Father. Lord, I ask that as we leave this place, we would leave with a spring in our step with hope upon our hearts, Lord God, with the the wind of Your Spirit blowing underneath of us, empowering us to do all that You've called us to do and to be who You've called us to be. Lord, I love You. I love You and I honor You this morning. And I thank You, God. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. (laughs) Thank You, Lord.